Julius Jones was sitting on death row for the shooting death of 45-year-old Paul Howe in Edmond, Oklahoma, but has maintained his innocence and claims he was framed for the murder. At the time of his execution, he garnered supporters at an astonishing rate, and clemency was granted at the last minute. But were these people supporting an innocent man or a violent criminal? I'm your host, Michael, and this is Strange and Unexplained. It was a regular summer evening for Paul Howe and his family on July 28th of 1999. Paul had just returned home with his two young daughters and his older sister, Megan Howe. They had taken the girls out shopping for school supplies and stopped for ice cream on the way home. As the brown suburban pulled into the driveway of Paul's parents' home, a man emerged from the dark. Nine-year-old Rachel Howe was seated behind her father who had been driving the car and waved to the man as he approached the vehicle. Paul was exiting the vehicle when the man pulled out a 25 caliber pistol. He shot Paul once, hitting him in the head. Megan immediately grabbed her two nieces and headed for the house. Hearing a shot ring out and shouting coming from behind her, she kept her grip on the girls and her eyes ahead, not knowing yet the fate of her baby brother. The shooter had yelled for Megan to stop and fired a shot in her direction and that of the girls before jumping into the SUV and fleeing, running over and crushing Paul's legs in the process. 45-year-old Paul Howe would later die in the hospital of his injuries. Paul's Suburban was recovered just two days later at a convenience store on the south side of Edmond, just down the road from an auto shop that was known to be associated with illegal activity. Now the operator of this shop was one Kermit Lottie. Lottie had been a confidential police informant for years and was aware of the Suburban that the police were there to ask him about. He told the police that he had been asked to buy and move the car but refused because he knew it was connected to a murder. That's because hours after the crime had occurred, it broke on the evening news, including the description of what the shooter was wearing. Suspect believed to be black male, about 19 to 20 years old, wearing a white shirt with a blue trim and a black stocking cap and a red bandana around his face. So Lottie informs the police that Liddell King had been the one to approach him about the Suburban. King was known to the local police as he had already had previous convictions, but when he was questioned about the Suburban, he claimed he was just the middleman. His story was that he was approached by two men, Christopher Jordan and Julius Jones, about selling the car. He says he was unaware of the murder until he was informed by Lottie, and at that point he claims he confronted Jones, who had gone with him to Lottie's about the shooting, and Julius Jones confessed to him that he had shot the man. Christopher Jordan is arrested first, and he points the finger at Julius as being the one who pulled the trigger and killed Paul Howe. He admitted to being with Julius that night. He even says that they were driving around looking for Suburbans to steal. The reason being is that they are a very popular car at the time and easy for a chop shop to disassemble and sell. So it was a hot commodity in the car theft community. He says they spotted Paul earlier in the night and followed him to his house, where Julius was supposed to get out and just steal the car. But somehow, all that went wrong, and Paul was shot. Though Christopher said he didn't see Julius shoot Paul, he only heard the shot from down the street where he was waiting. Police attempt to arrest Jones, but he flees to a friend's house, 
and is apprehended there the next day. Julius Jones was caught on July 31, 1999 at the home of Christopher Jordan's brother. When the Jones' home was searched, a 25 caliber pistol wrapped in a red bandana was found in the attic access panel in Julius' bedroom. Ballistics determined the gun was a match for the murder weapon. Jones, who was 19 at the time of his arrest, had been sentenced to death row just two years later in 2002. Jones has remained there in solitary confinement for nearly 20 years. Through the years, he has maintained his innocence and claims that he was framed and set up by the very people who helped put him behind bars, Liddell King and Christopher Jordan. Though Julius was a star athlete and top of his class when he graduated high school, by his second year in college at OU, he was really struggling. He had fallen in with a bad crowd and his life was shifting directions. His priorities were no longer school and good grades, but were instead the newest shoes or games or jewelry, and he was awestruck by the high-end world of professional athletes and felt pressured to keep up an image. So he started shoplifting. He was stealing items to resell to make money and even pled guilty to an armed carjacking in 1999, just six days before Paul's murder. However, Jones claims he only pled guilty because of misleadings from legal counsel. Christopher Jordan was arrested and sentenced to 30 years for his part in the crime as well as others. His time served physically was 15 years though, and he is credited time served. And on paper, it still says 30. I really had to look into this, as some of the details I didn't quite understand. But apparently Oklahoma, as well as some other states, have a scale for ranking how a prisoner is securing time. The credits are based on the behavior of the prisoner. They are awarded more time for good behavior. So on level 4, which I believe is the highest, you procure 44 days a month. At level 3, it's 33 days. At level 2, it's 22 days. And so on. Those days are credited as time served at the end of the sentence. This is apparently a very rough and shorthanded explanation, but that is how it's explained at the parole board meeting. Julius Jones was set to be executed on November 18, 2021. But just four hours before his execution, a stay for clemency was granted by the governor. Before this, the Oklahoma Pardon and Parole Board had voted twice for clemency to be granted and recommended that the sentence be changed to life with the possibility of parole. But it was not until hours before the execution was to be carried out that the governor finally made his decision. He commuted Julius's sentence to life without the possibility of parole. But his family says they're not giving up hope to see their brother, their son, their uncle, and their friend as a free man one day. Julius has recently captured national attention when he garnered support from many well-known celebrities like Kim Kardashian, as well as athletes like NBA's Trey Young, Russell Westbrook, and Blake Griffin, and the NFL's Baker Mayfield. Not to mention the 6.3 million supporters who signed a petition for Jones in the months leading up to his execution date. Diving into all the information on Julius Jones' legal case is like following a white rabbit down the rabbit hole. You don't know if you'll wake up in a wonderland or a wasteland. It's a back and forth of who was more at fault, who did it, who didn't. His defense has now built a case that reflects a voice of racism and corruption. 
The defense argued that Jones was not adequately represented during his trial. He was assigned a public defender who failed to provide adequate cross-examination of witnesses and rested without Jones testifying. They claimed that key witnesses in the case, Jordan, were given plea deals for their testimonies, and that's why Chris Jordan was only forced to serve 15 years. They presented that the jury selection was unfair and racial bias. 11 out of the 12 jurors were white, and there was a claim that one of them had used racial slurs when referring to Jones and had said that the trial was a waste of time and instead, Jones should be taken out behind the courthouse and shot. Julius also claimed that while he was being transported by police, they too used the same racial epithet when taunting Jones to run from them, saying, run, N-word, I dare you. They also call into question the legitimacy of Christopher Jordan as a credible witness since he was a convicted felon at the time. They do this because many people claim that Jordan told them in prison that he lied about the whole thing. But those witness statements were largely overlooked since they came from Jordan's former cellmates, untrustworthy convicted felons themselves. Another line of defense that his team calls into question is that of the testimony of Megan Howe. In her original testimony, she claimed that the man had an inch of hair sticking out of his stocking cap. However, Megan claims her statement was, and always has been, that there was an inch between his ear and the stocking cap, where she could see hair. She was even asked if she knew what cornrows were and if the shooter had them, to which she answered no. She claims that the top of the cap was smooth and could not have been that of Christopher Jordan's, since his hair was in cornrows at the time. Many also call into question why was the murder weapon found in Julius's room then? This is also explained by the defense. They claim the night of the murder, Jordan stayed over at Jones's house and slept in his bedroom while Jones was downstairs on the couch, giving him the opportunity to hide the gun in the room. But the clip to the gun was found inside the housing for the house's doorbell, which was located in the home's stairwell. Why would Chris have separated the two pieces? The prosecution argues that Julius would have done this because he had younger siblings in the house, and Julius's girlfriend at the time claimed she saw the same gun in his car a week earlier, and he told her it was his. He had gotten it for personal protection. The next morning when Julius wakes up, he says Chris is already gone. Chris had gone to Liddell King's house and found out the police were asking about him and Julius. So Julius claims he only went to Chris's brother's house because Chris sent him to warn his brother police were looking for them. DNA testing was done on the bandana found in Julius's room, and Chris Jordan could not be ruled out as a minor contributor, but he also was not positively matched. The only positive match was that of Julius. There were three minor contributors of DNA, but they were never identified. The defense claims Julius was the only major contributor because the bandana was in his room. Jones has now exhausted his appeals process. He has attempted to have his case heard by the Supreme Court, but been denied multiple times. I can't really attest to whether he's guilty or not, but the more I looked into the state of Oklahoma execution procedures and policies, the more troubling this case became. Jones would have been the first prisoner executed in over five years. There had been a temporary stop on all executions pending an investigation after two botched executions. In 2014, a prisoner, Clayton Lockett, had to sit through numerous attempts to place an IV line, which were unsuccessful, leading to what's known as a cut-down procedure. This is where the vein is surgically exposed so the IV can be placed, and they did this in the growing area. And even after all that, 
still did not place the IV correctly. The needle was placed into a muscle instead of a vein, and when the medication was administered, it was excruciatingly painful. Remember that scene in the Green Mile where the guards don't wet the sponge that's placed on top of the prisoner's head and it leads to a gruesome scene where the man in the chair screams while burning alive? Well, this is not quite that dramatic, but it would have been the equivalent. Lockett was forced to endure the pain while strapped to the gurney for 40 minutes before he finally succumbed to his own death. The year following this botched execution, there was another in which the wrong medication altogether was administered. Instead of the lethal potassium chloride that would have stopped his heart, the prisoner was given potassium acetate. He was heard crying out, my body is on fire, just before his death. A bipartisan panel was formed to assess the situation with Oklahoma's death penalty procedures. Quote, it is undeniable that innocent people have been sentenced to death in Oklahoma, the report concludes. Again, the case we are looking into specifically is that of Julius Jones. But after examining the evidence, I don't think the state of Oklahoma should be putting anyone on death row at this time. As to Jones's innocence, after listening to hours of courtroom proceedings, reading numerous reports and hearing testimony from all sides, I'm just glad I was not selected to be on that jury. Because even if he didn't pull the trigger, he was at least an accomplice and partially responsible for Paul's death. All right, guys, there you have it. There is the twisted, confusing case of Julius Jones. Um, it's not really that twisted and confusing. It's just everyone's blaming everybody. You know, when I first looked into this, well, when I first heard about this story, I thought this was a grave injustice. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yes. Like many people have. I saw the all the six million such and such people that signed the petition. I saw all these, you know, res respectable celebrities who were behind this man, but it seems as though they've read a one-sided novel mm -hmm. and then chose to jump on this um, for whatever reason. And you can't really blame the defense, right? They need oh, something no. to push their way. And we've seen this in past trials. This angle can work. Mm -hmm. Well, not it, only that, there are there are pieces of evidence that do point to him. You know what I'm saying? They, I don't think there's a way to clear his name. But I think there's just enough to doubt. And you can't right. put someone on death row with that. And and that's what we're talking about. We're talking about getting Julius off death row. He's off death row. And he mm -hmm. and in my opinion, and I think in most logical people's opinions, he does not deserve to be there. No. Does not deserve to be on death row. But he was present for this crime. Mm -hmm. He was present for the carjacking. He was present for the murder. It's like you were one or the other, but man, you were the shooter or, or you, you were, the, were driver. the driver. Either way, you're an accomplice in a murder. I do think it's very unfair that Jordan got, you know, he got 30 years but only served 15. Mm -hmm. But even just getting sentences, sentencing for 30 years, that doesn't seem, I mean, I guess you could argue he didn't pull the trigger. But mm -hmm. I'm like, the actions. Allegedly, he of, didn't turn, pull right, the trigger. Of the actions of both of these men led to Paul Howe's death, either way. And exactly. we can't prove who pulled the trigger. So, like, for me, that right there in itself is like, well, then both of them should receive about the same sentencing, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, but it, but there's just so much there's so much to him evidence pointing towards Julius mm-hmm. being the trigger man. Yep. Not to mention just what six months earlier, he actually confessed to a carjacking in which he was armed and held someone at gunpoint. It was like a week early. Like a week early. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Six days, yeah. not six months. I missed that. It occurred that the carjacking had actually occurred. It was like six days before this one. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And there is, I mean, there was another one that he was suspected of too mm-hmm. that we didn't even put in there because he never pled guilty to that one. But that one comes up a lot in his case. Yeah. Because they were right back to back. They were at the same place, and police believe that him or Jordan were both, at, you know, were at both of those. Yeah. I think what I hate most about this case, and I'm sure you will agree, is that we went into this case hoping that we would give someone who was falsely accused a voice, yeah. which is something we try to do on this podcast, at least on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. And it's it's hard to do. Yeah. It's very hard. And I was incredibly <laughs> discouraged, I think, when I found this information. Mm-hmm. But we were already too far into the case, and I'm like, well, we have to we, we just have to go with it now. Like we're already yeah. so far but in. It's... We've already put so much time and studying into it. And it was it was kind of a bummer uh, that it turned out this way. But honestly, it's like that mm-hmm. meme of Spider-Man's where they're all pointing at each other and they're like, hey, mm-hmm. you, you, you. But really, they're all guilty. I actually, as far as I hated researching it because there was it's just one of the hardest cases to research because there's so much conflicting evidence right. when it's presented. But as far as like doing it as an episode, I got really upset writing it. I'm really frustrated. Like this yeah. is just exhausting. And and it was. It was like we were trying to like shine light on this this wrongdoing. But now I feel like we're not necessarily presenting the opposite, but we're waking people up yeah. to to one to two sides of the story. Like you have to look at more than one side of the story when it comes to these things. Absolutely. Because these things are happening in in, in in rapid numbers, like the Innocent Projects has hundreds of cases, and they're, they're doing on. a ton of good. Oh, there is, absolutely, yeah. But this, I just feel like this specific one is one that is um, everybody just kind of jumped on without reading the whole thing. Because when you start to look into it, and I listened to hours and hours and hours. I was going to of- say, I mean, you can go through the court audio, <sighs> but everything has a rebuttal. Um, but the the main issue that I have with it is that. All the prosecution's defense and a lot of the things that are laid out on you know their website, the website for the house or whatever you want to call it, um, a lot of it is backed up by court documents. Mm-hmm. It's backed up by actual evidence, yeah. you know, circumstantial or whatever, but still actual evidence. Whereas the defense is backed up on, oh, I'm being targeted. Um, this is racially motivated, mm-hmm. and they're just trying to garner support for someone for you know another man who was wrongly accused which i do not doubt at all after reading oklahoma's history as far as their the way their court systems work yes i do not doubt that he suffered injustice by the hands of racists but i don't think that 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 just clears that just gets him out of jail right you know what i'm saying like if he did commit this murder he is still a murderer and we have to consider that when trying to release him from prison. Yeah. Now, I'm glad you brought that up because that is one thing I'm really glad happened in this episode is that we were able to shed light on that. Mm-hmm. The justice system in Oklahoma and these botched executions, that is the stuff of nightmares. It is. Like, it, hum- because before those... We can't do that to humans. <laughs> like, we need to know. I just don't get it in... in 
these recent times why we're still botching these types of things. Like you couldn't get a doctor, you couldn't pay a nurse or somebody to come down to the prison. I mean, you couldn't even get a male nurse. As like someone has, who has been in the room when right. we put dogs to sleep, this, yeah. is, this should never have happened to a human being. It's hard enough to watch anyways, it's right? Hard, even yes. even a criminal, yes. even a criminal, like it's it's hard to watch because a lot of times these criminals have been in prison for years and years mm-hmm. and years and are not the same person that they were when they committed these crimes. Did they deserve to get out? No, no. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is... It, They're still humans. You can't, yeah. We as humans can't torture people to put them to death, whether by accident or not. Like mm-hmm. we, ha- th- there has to be some kind of fail safe put in. Because what in does place that make that. us when we start torturing other humans? We're like, oh, you know, where do we draw the line? Exactly. Yeah, that's not exactly. okay. But the, and you know, those those were not the only two. Like they were the two back after being from a break. I got you again. So why like, did they take a break? Right, the two before those were botched. Yeah, there were two or three before that that had been botched. So yeah, it's not just those two like. Just those two cases. Oh, like, no, 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 no. This is a history that goes back in the state and, of Oklahoma and in most states. That right, That is right. just dark. And I'm also sure that no state is is um, excused from this. I know mm-hmm. probably every state that has the death penalty has had some sort of botched execution. Absolutely. And like I say, it's, it, it's really unacceptable. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys know that makes sure to kill someone at this point. Yeah. I mean, come on now. Yeah, it's just, it you makes just, you, you just didn't put it. You just didn't if do they your did dues. It on purpose. Exactly. Because when I read about, I think it was Lockett, which is the guy who ended up suffering for like forty minutes. Yes. Um, it's either him or the other guy. Yeah. One of those two men killed a like cafeteria worker in the prison. So okay. he wasn't even in prison for violent crimes. He was in for like aggravated robbery or something. But mm. while in prison, he killed someone else in prison. So it kind of makes me like, what did they botch? You know, it, that's what made me think of yeah. the Green Mile. Like, did he do, did the people doing this do it on purpose? Right. Are, are the, is the prison trying to make an example mm-hmm. out of this man who killed exactly. one of their staff? It's just very suspicious that, you know. That is odd. I yeah. didn't know about that. That's I didn't know what it that made he me killed think a, about. Yeah. The fact that he killed an actual prison worker, mm-hmm. that's different. Yeah. Not a guard, but a cafeteria worker. Exactly. But yet you still yeah. know these guards know each other. Yeah. These, yeah. Hmm. That's something yeah. to be considered. He was the guy who they didn't give the right potassium mixture to. They gave him potassium and something else, he, which caused his skin to feel like it was burning. It was potassium instead of, acetate. So basically, the potassium chloride would have almost immediately, within a few minutes, it would have stopped his heart. Yeah. And he would. And they give him a sedative beforehand. Mm-hmm. So even when this medication is administered, ninety percent of the time they're not even awake anymore. Right. So neither one of these men should have been like. Uh, the one man was like vomiting and like, oh you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it, there was a man who was observing it, who had observed like 450 executions in the state of Oklahoma. Mm. And he said that that has never happened, but once before. And when it happened before, it was also at a time when the execution was not carried out right. He said it is not normal for them to to say anything. It's not normal for them to move. It is not normal for them to cry out like that. He's like, right, of course not. They just fall asleep. And he was there for this one. And I think I think he became part of that committee that you know that told the pro board like we don't need to be doing this. But yeah, they're not listening. <laughs> right. But at least Julius got saved. But even in the way that they saved Julius was kind of cruel. 
They mm-hmm. they saved his life, what, four hours? Four hours before he Imagine died. that. Imagine four hours before, you've already come to terms that you're going to die. He had already waken up at like 3 a.m. that morning and yeah. had a physical mm-hmm. and had his last meal. He had, had, his, had his rights read to him. He was yeah. basically like just sitting there waiting I'm to just, be taken Yeah, in. I mean, just days up to it, you already have to be preparing yourself mentally or... <laughs> and or having a mental breakdown. And I think you know the I'm saying? board like meeting was back in September. And then, the you know, that was the second time they had met on Julius's case. They had actually met a year before. And they decided to stay. And they voted majority. Yes. Mm. And the governor still, he just did not, I guess he just didn't. Oh, wait. So they voted the majority to, to give him clemency. And then mm. the, the governor did not. The governor has to get to grant clemency. They right. they basically submit a recommendation is what they do. So That's they what I'm vote. saying. Yeah. They voted the year before and they submitted the recommendation and he was not granted clemency. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he would have, here's what's really bad, is he would have been the first execution since they stopped executions. Yeah. So something, and you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't want to be the first back in the chair nah, you don't of that be... guy. No. <laughs> I mean, like, you done messed no, up them too, and you have a record. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting my ass, you know, even right, right. somebody like this. You don't want to be that person, but. Have, no. Oh, no. my God. It, like, I can't even imagine waiting up until the last minute. I feel like that was a very, um, like, a power move for that governor even. No doubt. It was on purpose, it right? Was, yeah, it was very intentional. Or maybe it was just thrown on his desk at the last minute and was like, hey, this guy's going to be killed in four hours. I don't like, think so. Do you... I mean, there were no, celebrities so. writing him. Everybody was tweeting Six him. It was all over the million news. people. Yeah. I had only learned about the case like three days before his execution date. So that's why we didn't get this, this episode out earlier. But, right. But um, even then, I would not have had the time to go through the information that that, that is on this case. Right. It's 20 years worth of court proceedings. Like, it is extensive mm-hmm. and so and many people out. are involved too so <laughs> and you can find a lot of that video and stuff right um a lot is if both the pa- the howell family websites mm-hmm. and then the um justice for julius websites yeah. are in the sources and both sources have their own sources right so like the pow the howell family sorry the Howell family That's has... hard because his name's Paul uh, Howell. Yeah. Yeah. I keep on saying Powell, too. a lot linked there, and they yeah. have the actual link for the um, parole board meeting, and it's like a four or five hour long video, but it is the defense, the prosecution, the family of the victim, and Julius Jones himself testifying before the parole board. Right. And it's very interesting to watch because that's one of the things that... When I watched it, I was kind of like, he don't seem like he's being completely truthful because that was the mm. first time he's ever like really. Talked Usually, to they anybody. don't recommend people in this situation no. to take the stand. Not you know? at all, and especially that's why if he you were there. Originally. Especially if you were there, because mm-hmm. those lawyers are going to cross-examine the shit out of you oh, and catch and you somewhere. That man did, and he caught yeah. him in like not really a lie, but it was kind of like a that's a staged answer. You're not being yeah. truthful with me. And that right there, it was that with like the letters he was writing outside of prison. Like, yeah, I can't imagine how you're they're just painting I mean, two can, different pictures. I would hate to be in that situation where you're just being cross examined, even if he was, even if we did believe he was innocent, it's still a terrible situation yes. to be in. It's like when you're being, oh my gosh, I was uh sanctioned for a um, oh my goodness. an al, not a, what do you call it, 
a uh, what do you, what do you call it? You're giving your uh, like testimony, like or your statement. Your I know statement saying, about yeah. yeah. I was involved in a local municipality lawsuit. Uh, <clears throat> I don't want to get too much into it. <laughs> um, I I wasn't directly involved. I just happened to be on scene. Yeah, you were just one place. Right, <laughs> and so I was pulled in to give my testimony, and it was through Skype. I was living in Vegas at the time. The incident happened years before here in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I was in Vegas. They actually had this this law firm in Vegas contact me. I was like, what the hell? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we're going to need you to come to this building or whatever and testify what happened that day. And and I was being cross-examined by two lawyers yeah. who had two, you mm-hmm. know, obviously they're on each side. And it's like, oh my God, you're making me look like a freaking liar up right? here. And I was telling it the truth to the best of my ability. And it yeah. wasn't even a life or death situation. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even a crime. It was just about destruction of property. Right. And it had happened like two years ago. Yes. Two, three years ago. Yes. So like, even if you were like, you know what? I don't. It just like, really opened my eyes to being in that situation. Mm-hmm. You know, like I say one thing to one lawyer, whatever. And then the other one comes on. He's like, oh, well, you mentioned this and blah, blah, blah and that. And I'm like, oh, well, mm-hmm. shit. Well, maybe, uh. <laughs> you know, maybe my memory's like, not that good. It's kind of the way they Wait twist a second. it. Yeah. yeah. They know what they're doing. Yeah. And they these can... are like they're the top people of that. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, no they're doubt. Liars. No doubt. Come on. They're great at it. No they're doubt. great at like deflecting and then like turning questions on you yeah. and your wording. Oh my God. Like it is very important wording in the yeah. courtroom. Don't and use you have the wrong to be, word. And I was, and I thought I was being careful, right? I'm like, mm-hmm. I studied true crime. Right? I'm being careful. Like, I'm being careful of your wording and the way that you phrase things because lawyers like to put things in your mouth, yep. right? They yep. like to say, would you agree yep. that blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah? And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I'd agree with like half of that. Yep. You know? So, uh, yeah, that was very eye-opening to me. But I could not imagine being in a murder trial. No. And being cross-examined nope. like nope. that. Oh, my God. I would just be... I hope Anxious I never have belief. to go to jail for as much as like a parking ticket. Like I don't even want to <laughs> yeah, step in a courtroom. I don't think they put you in jail for parking tickets. I'm, it's okay. I, look, I have gotten <laughs> summonses. Is that what they're called? Summonses to be on juries? Yeah. I have never sure. met anyone that has, has gotten more of those letters than I have. That's true. You have gotten them quite a bit. I get them every so many months. I swear to God. Yeah. And every time I've had like a reason I couldn't go. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, I'm just going to go. Because as soon as I go and I tell them what I do for a living, they're going to send me home. Yeah, exactly. So I'm I'm used to, I was like, I do not want to be involved in this. You should show up and be like, oh my God, I'm so excited. I can't wait to write about this. I know, right? They're going to be like, what? (laughs) Take my bag and wear my true crime guys t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. What is your name, sir? Can I go ahead and get your name on file? (laughs) My recorder's going as well. Could yeah. you go ahead and... <laughs> Wait, ma'am. No, you, you can't be here. <laughs> so, like, now it doesn't bother me as much, but it used to, like, every time I got one of them pieces of paper, I was like, no, oh, I, I do not want to be involved in this. Yeah. I know it's our patriotic duty, but it just, it scares the hell out of me to possibly part be part of someone uh, or a group that puts someone away that's yeah, innocent. No doubt. Or, even worse, lets someone go. That was guilty. I don't know Be, what's just, worse, actually. Just because there's not enough evidence. I really don't know what's worse. I think putting someone away who's innocent is worse, in my opinion. I think I feel like if you put someone out there who's guilty, maybe someone takes revenge on them. Maybe they get what they got coming to them. They're probably not going to leave that world, so they're going to get theirs. Mm. But when you put someone away who's innocent... Oh, it depends. That's, I mean, that's look terrifying. At, look at people like Ted Bundy that got out and killed nine more people. I'm not you talking about serial saying? killers. I'm talking about but the average case like, of... You never yeah. know. So... yeah. I don't, I don't, that's a hard, hard call. Yeah. As is this case. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a hard call. Um, but we can pretty much put uh, both Julius Jones 
and Chris Jordan Jordan at the scene. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, someone died at this carjacking that you were both there and present for, and you both should have life. I don't think either one should be put to death. Mm -hmm. I don't think it really matters who the trigger man is. Although I don't really understand... Well, I guess Chris... I mean, I guess whoever the shooter was wasn't trying to leave witnesses. But I'm like, unless you're going to shoot all four of them, here's why shoot one? Okay, but here's Was it an accident, you think? No, here's what's interesting about that fact. Um, the carjacking with the Mercedes, okay? The earlier one. Was it the Mercedes or the Lexus? One of those two carjackings, whoever did it told all four of the adults that were about to enter the vehicle to get in. And because he, for whatever reason, yeah, was trying to take hostages, I guess. And luckily, all of them were able to get out of the vehicle before, you know, they, he took off. So that's why it's called into question. Like, if this is Julius, his intention was to kill somebody. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? Because if he had done it the day before and he wanted to take these people, where the fuck was he taking him? Where was he taking them? Why did he need to take them? If he just wanted to steal the car... Why did he need hostages? So he did this on a separate carjacking? That's the one that they that they, they said he had already done. Six days before. Yes. So in that carjacking, he tried to take hostages. Mm-hmm. Which looks kind of suspicious when you're coming up to another car and you just shoot the people inside. See what I mean? It's like, yeah. was your intention really the car? Or would this have just grown and he had kept shooting people? That's why it's so scary. I think maybe he, I think taking the car and the people at gunpoint and then getting rid of the people somehow is the best way to tie up loose ends, mm-hmm. right? That's oh, Maybe that's course. what he's thinking. You leave no but he really fucked that up when he shot a guy outside of the car. It's like, now you got to pick up this grown man yeah. and put him in this car while you have his sister and his two daughters running away from you. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to shoot three women in the back. He shot at them, though. Yeah. He did. I mean, I don't know how accurate that was or how what his intent was. Was he just trying to scare them so they didn't look back? Maybe. I don't know. But his face was covered. Mm-hmm. So if your face is covered, your identity See? is sealed, why would you want to kill people? Scarier and scarier. <laughs> I think that he shot Paul Howe on accident. It's, I really think. I think. Or maybe Paul gets out and reaches for the gun and is like, well, as far as we know, it didn't happen because Megan was there to testify that he... Okay. And um, Paul's little girl was sitting in the back seat behind right. him. Yeah. And saw the man walk up to the car. And she waved at him. Yeah. And then he shot Paul. Mm. So there was no kind of altercation. He either did it, like you said, like accidentally, like pulled the gun and accidentally shot him. Not, yeah. Or he just intentionally meant to kill this person. Yeah. Which or is, maybe... He thought Paul, Paul was the only person in the vehicle at the time. He could have tinted windows. We my don't only, really know. Okay, my only problem with that is you've been po- you've been following this man for we don't know how long, and they made multiple stops. They stopped at Target. They stopped to get ice cream at all these stops. Oh, so he out. was following him. How do you know that? Because they said they were. They oh. had seen him shopping out in the suburban, and followed him home. Yeah. Because he didn't go to his house. He went to his parents' house. Right. And when he pulled up in the parents' driveway, he just popped up out of nowhere. Mm. And Liddell, I mean, not Liddell, but Chris Jordan and Julia, like Chris Jordan was like, yeah, we were just driving around looking for a suburban to steal. Yeah, because they were such a hot commodity. Uh-huh, at the time. And they knew that would bring a lot of money. I don't know. Mm-hmm. 
All right, guys. Well, that's our opinion of the case. That's pretty much all the stuff that we could possibly mention, yeah. aside from the hours and hours of court proceedings. Uh, if you guys would like to look into that. Um, but we kind of given you the highlights, and we've given you our opinions. And, of course, all this, uh, our opinions are alleged. And, uh, yeah, I guess there's just one more thing to do. I guess let's check in with Lauren this week. And we'll see what Lauren thinks in this week's Lauren Synopsis. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Breaking down the case like, breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Breaking down the case like, breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. What's up, people? Lauren here. Here to get my thoughts on this week's Strange and Unexplained. The 1999 murder of Paul Howell and the subsequent conviction and ongoing proceedings involving the convicted killer of Paul Howell, Julius Jones, who has spent 19 years on death row for the murder. Um, and he claims his, he's innocent, and there's been several notable celebrities, including Kim Kardashian and um, big-time athletes, basketball players that have stepped forward um, in his defense saying that he's innocent and that he should be removed from death row, in which he actually has been removed. There's been over 6 million signatures on uh, the innocenceproject.org's uh, website um, pleading for uh, clemency, and the sitting o- governor of Oklahoma, Still Grants, has uh, removed him from death row and has changed his sentence to life without parole hours before his uh, scheduled execution uh, just on November 18th, just a month ago. Um, I do believe that he should have been removed from death row just because there is at least a, uh, there's some, some reasonable doubt as to whether he was the shooter or not. As for him being playing a role in this murder, I have no doubt. There's not a doubt in my mind he played a role in this murder. Um, a lot of uh, the stuff that is claimed on innocenceproject.org is disputed and, in my opinion, debunked on the family of Paul Howell's website, justiceforpaulhowell.com. I think more people need to go and review the actual evidence. They actually link court documents, unlike the innocenceproject.org. I think the innocenceproject.org is is doing great work. I think there's plenty of um, people that have been uh, railroaded by the justice system. We talk about this at length on True Crime Guys and on this podcast as well about how often people are wrongfully convicted. I don't think that is the case with this with this case specifically. Um, I think a lot of people are um, reviewing one side of the story and then running with it and you know uh, advocating for this man's release and uh, and but when you really look into it, a lot of what the innocenceproject.org's page says it, when you really, dive into court records and into Julius Jones past. He is a, he was a, a violent criminal just six days before the murder of Paul Howell. He had actually uh, put a gun to someone's head and robbed them from their Mercedes. He pled guilty to that. I don't think people get that. I don't think people uh, understand that on the night of the murder, he was seen by multiple witnesses that were not related, not the, not the two men that took the stand against him that were also in, implicated and involved in the crime, but one of his neighbors and also his girlfriend saw him with the Suburban that was stolen during the murder. His neighbor saw his neighbor has no reason to say that he saw them with that. He was seen driving the Suburban the next day on surveillance footage at a gas station, pulls up in the, in the vehicle uh, of the murder victim 
Um, the murder weapon that was known to be his weapon, his girlfriend said that months prior he had claimed the gun as his, said he had it for self-defense. It was in the console of his car, that same 25 caliber weapon that was used in the murder proven to be used in the murder was found in the attic of his parents home he tried to run from the uh the police when they showed up to to talk to him the two people that were with him on the night of the murder um testified against him and said that he was the shooter the as far as the hair goes that's also disputed um if you actually look at the actual transcript from the from the trial which is linked on uh, paul howell's family's website they linked the actual transcript it does not say she, um, the, the witness, the, the, the victim, uh, the family member that was in the car that, uh, gave a statement about what the shooter's identity looked like. She did not say that the shooter had cornrows. She said, no, she said the, she believed the driver of the car had cornrows. And she said that, um, the shooter, she said had about half an inch of hair between the stocking cap and the bandana, which fits the description at the time of Julius Jones, who had very short hair, um, actually fits that. There's there's a lot on both sides, and I just don't think that um, both sides are being explored enough. And um, as far as him being at his family's house, that's supposed to be just taken at face value when there's several things disputing that as far as, you know, like I said, the neighbor and the girlfriend saying otherwise. He initially said something otherwise. Um also, there was supposedly a family member that was at the gathering that ended up later saying, I wasn't at that gathering. I think it's very possible the family is lying for him, um, saying that he was at the house creating an alibi. And of course, why wouldn't you? You know, I think a lot of us would lie for our family member if they were caught up in this, something like this. And then we didn't believe that our family member was capable of doing such a heinous crime. Of course, you would cover for them. Um, so there's a lot out there. Um, and I think as to him not having proper legal defense, that's always disputed. You know, in these cases there, of course, you're going to appeal and say, you know, my defense was, uh, incapable or they were biased or they were just, they didn't care. I, I can't speak to that. I'm not going to deny that maybe he did get improper counsel because I, I wasn't there for the trial. I wasn't part of his, his trial defense or anything like that. None of us are, none of us were. Um, that's something that, you know, the courts would have to determine. And I believe they, they looked into it and determined that he did receive proper counsel. They, they did their best. Um, and as far as him not being able to testify, that was also disputed. Um, the judge did offer for him to, uh, um, testify on his, on his own behalf, which is something he denied and rightfully so, because usually in a murder trial, it's, a, it's advised against for you to take the stand in your own defense. Um, it usually doesn't go well because then the, the, the DA will, rip into you and, and, and question every single thing and try and find discrepancies in your story. Um, like I said, I, I, I have no doubts at this point after, you know, looking into both sides and trying to look at this subject as objectively as possible that he was, he played a role in this murder. Um, but even if there's a 1% chance in my mind that he wasn't, he wasn't the shooter, that, that's enough for me to, you know, I, I, for someone to get the death penalty, I, I have to have zero, doubt i almost have to have video evidence of them carrying out the crime shooting like in this case i have to have to have see julius jones indisputably shooting uh paul howell um so i'm glad that uh it wasn't followed through upon as far as um him being executed um but i think there's a lot of hearsay back and forth um and i i just think there's 
there's better cases uh, as far as wrongfully convicted people. Um, there's a lot of there's plenty of cases that uh, were racially motivated and people were convicted because of race. I, I don't think that played a role in this one. I know there was stuff said about a jury member saying something. Once again, it's it, it seems like hearsay. There's no actual evidence. There was some, uh, so, something said about the police officer that arrested him. There being a racial slur used, but I believe that wasn't brought out until after the trial and after his conviction and in uh, a documentary that was made, he made these claims much later when there's once again, no, no proof of such a thing being said. Um, but as for him, uh, his, his role in the murder, I have no doubts that he played a role in it. Just the fact that it is just, there's far too much. The murder weapon being at his parents' house, him driving the murder victim's vehicle, um, him being seen with the murder victim's vehicle, the night of the murder, uh, the, the two men that were also a part of the murder, um, taking the stand and, uh, you know, pointing the finger at him as the shooter. Um, now as for, you know, uh, Christopher Jordan, who was also, you know, who was the, the alleged getaway driver, his, him taking the plea deal and only ended up 15 years. I, I think that's wrong. I think he should definitely be serving life as well for his, his role in this murder. So that's one thing. Um, that I don't agree with on this as well, but, um, we'll see how this thing plays out. I, th I think this is maybe the best outcome, him not being executed because there's still a glimmer of, of doubt as far as whether he was a shooter or not. Um, but as far as him being innocent and being released, that is not something I'm comfortable with as far as what I've, I've read, uh, about, uh, his past and also, um, all the evidence pointing to him being, involved in this murder. Uh, he, he, he's still to me, uh, a dangerous individual, um, someone who could murder a man in front of his family like that. Scary to me to think that he could be walking the streets. I, I no doubt that he, he played a role in this murder. So yeah, that's my thoughts. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, see you next week. All right, Lauren, thank you for that synopsis as always. And yeah, that's kind of what I expected. Uh, it, it's, if you really look into this case and you look at everything that's available right now, which is a lot, um, it's, it's hard to come to a different conclusion. It's damn near impossible to pinpoint the trigger man, but it's damn near impossible to rule both of these men out of doing the crime in general. So there you have it. Uh, if anything else comes out, of course, we will always be on the lookout. And if anything comes out in... Uh, contradicts what we've said or what we think we will be sure to put that episode out or it will be in an episode of strange shorts either way uh, we'll definitely be sure to cover that uh, speaking of strange shorts next monday will be a strange shorts episode because we will also be releasing chapter 11 of sandu stories on patreon that'll be on december 30th uh, if you are a patron of Sandu Podcast, patreon.com slash podcast. You'll have access to, like I said, Sandu Stories Chapter 11, as well as all the 10 chapters before that, all 50-something episodes of Strange Shorts uh, that's already on the Patreon platform, as well as 10-plus episodes of Higher Thoughts. So lots of fun to be had on patreon.com. I'd like to give a big shout-out to Francis Kingston, who joined Patreon this week. Thanks, Francis. Uh, they joined on the $5 tier. So right on. So you got access to pretty much everything on the Patreon account. Thank you so much, Francis. And there are so many more. We're coming up on 90 patrons, guys. I, I'm humbled. 
absolutely humbled. Thank you so much for your consistent and continuous support of this podcast. If you can't join Patreon, no big deal. Hit that follow button, hit that subscribe button, and make sure you meet me here every Monday, right? I appreciate that. Uh, Also, another great way to help the show is to leave a review. We got a new review this week from Nicole Saints. Says, five stars, in love. Just recently found the pod. I'm not even sure if you guys still read reviews, but I live about 40-ish minutes from Gaston County and was drawn in on the mention of Somewhere So Close. Huge fan of the pod so far and can't wait to see where it takes me. Also going to check out True Crime Guys soon. Can't stop binging this one right now. (laughs) Right on, Nicole. Well, there is plenty of content waiting for you over on the True Crime Guys platform as well. And it ain't going nowhere. I promise you. But guys, again, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. And um, happy holidays, everyone. This I know I'm a little bit late, but I actually recorded this on December 23rd. So it's, you know, it's Christmas Eve Eve for me. So Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everyone, whatever you celebrate. I hope it is merry. I hope you have fun with your family. And I hope you get all the things you wanted. Okay? There you go. All right, guys. Well, like I said, we'll see you next Monday for uh, Strange Shorts on the free platform and the new Sandu Stories on Patreon. All right, guys. Be strange. Just don't be strangers. 